0: hey what's up you guys welcome back to the televised podcast my name is anna and today we're going to be doing a deep dive episode um i wanted to do one of these um, my once a month i wanted to dedicate my my once a month um deep dive episode to something a bit spooky i guess in the spirit of halloween because uh by the time you're gonna be listening to this halloween will be about like a week-ish a week out week out um so You know, I thought I'd do something fun for the spirit of Halloween um, to talk about, as the title suggests, why horror sells. And I have studied a bit. I've studied up on this. um, And it's going to be a study of horror from somebody who doesn't understand. Not that I don't understand why people like it. I just don't like it. I'm not a horror fan. I hate watching horror movies. I hate, I just hate feeling scared. And I know that people like love that feeling. You know, it gives the like adrenaline rush or whatever. But I am like deathly afraid of horror movies. Because then I just like can't sleep. I can't, I just can't focus. Like I can't, like, and like I can watch something. I can watch something and it won't even like be scary. But I'll just be like scared of something in it and I'll literally just, like, sleep with the lights on for, like, a week. I'm such a baby when it comes to that. So, I wanted to look at the horror genre from my point of view, like, from somebody who's not into it, who's not, you know, feeling it, um, and kind of go over why this genre is so popular, why it has held on for so long, why it works so well, because I'm not, you know, I don't think it's bad. I just, I just don't personally like being scared, but it's obviously, like, very, very effective for a lot of people. Like, they, they love it. They swear by horror. And I just am really interested by the cult following of horror. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to kind of do, like, a little deep dive on this. So this one, this episode will be a bit shorter than my other ones. Um, I'm going to try and keep it a bit shorter. Um, but I hope it's just, like, a fun little, you know, in- insightful Um look at at horror and you know just in time like i said just in time for halloween so here we go so anyone that knows me knows that i'm a baby when it comes to horror i'm such a wimp about blood and gore and ghosts and zombies and demons and murderers so much so that the scooby-doo straight to dvd movie where's my mummy scared the absolute shit out of me as a kid and i actually just re-watched it uh couple weeks ago and I'm like god I can see why I was scared because the mummies were scary mummies are scary y'all um and even though I you know could absolutely 100% handle it now back then it was absolutely terrifying the point still stands so I'm I'm definitely afraid of horror movies so I avoid them like the plague right wrong I love to watch reviews of horror movies, to see how they're doing at the box office, to watch trailers for new ones coming out. I find myself doing all of this even though I'm never going to watch them and it won't affect me at all if I know, or excuse me, if I went my whole life without knowing that's what someone thought of the new It movie. I'm just fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by the cult ideology of the horror community, the many, many subgenres of horror, the profitability of horror. It's all just really interesting. Let's start at the beginning. In the beginning of the horror genre, the films weren't referred to as that at all. They were called Spooky Tales. The first of these tales was released in 1896, and it was called Le Menor du Diable, or The House of the Devil. It was created by Georges Millet, a film visionary at the time, and it only ran for about 3 minutes. In those 3 minutes, though, there are bats, trolls, cauldrons, and the works, all appearing and disappearing in puffs of smoke. Most people mark the true beginning of the horror genre with the 1922 classic Nosferatu. This film is considered a plagiarized version of Bram Stoker's Dracula, but it is still known in history as one of the most iconic horror movies. All the movies mentioned previously and made before the 1930s were all silent films. In the 30s, studios began developing talkies, which allowed the audience to hear what the actors were saying and allowed for much more effective sound design. The introduction of sound allowed for a rebirth in the horror genre and a much more effective scare. The creaking doors, rumbling thunder, ominous footsteps, all of those sounds helped to create horror and create a much more thrilling experience for the viewer. I mean, think about now how utilized the theater experiences when it comes to horror like the surround sound that you have like they'll have creaks that like go from one side of the theater to the other like the sound design of horror is is incredible so truly adding sound to horror movies made the genre like it really did cuz you know they can on, they can only show you so much that could scare you you know like puffs of smoke like with witches and cauldrons and demons or whatever like that can only be so scary for so long the real like effective and really you know that was proven by uh John Krasinski's A Quiet Place where you know people were like the sound design of that movie was so effective so overwhelmingly you know what made the movie? It, it was the movie, the sound design of, of, of the film. So, you know, incorporating those, those classic horror sounds is, is a must for all these horror movies. Uh, The 30s was also the birth of the Universal Monsters. Some people today will know the Universal Monster movies as the disaster that was the dark universe, kicked off by the total flop that was the 2017 remake of The Mummy, and was said to have remakes of all the classic characters, with Angelina Jolie even rumored to play the Bride of Frankenstein. Back in the day, though, the Universal Monster movies shaped horror into what we know it as today, especially in terms of monster flicks or creature features. These Universal movies included classics like Bela Lugosi's Dracula, Frankenstein, The Mummy, Freaks, King Kong, Bride of Frankenstein, and many, many others. This era from 1930 to 1935 is known as the Golden Age of Horror, and for more reasons than one. The amount of classic and influential films made during this time is striking, and frankly incredible, especially considering how we're still inspired by vampires and mummies to this day. This was also the age of horror before the genre even really had a name, which allowed filmmakers to explore uncharted area and to break social stigmas and norms. The breaking of these norms upset the moral backbone of the nation at the time, which was the Catholic Church, and they forced the studios to be more strict in regards to what was shown in these films. These regulations, though, lead to what some regard as the golden age of Hollywood in general, forcing filmmakers to tell more symbolic stories about the darkness of humanity or just more adult themes in general. The tail end of the 1930s saw the decline of the horror genre in both popularity and creativity. The use of the same monsters and same tropes made the genre boring for viewers, though it's all filmmakers can do in the tight confines of the regulations. On the bright side, the 40s brought about the birth of the mad scientist film. These characters, not supernatural and often driven by the sin of pride, were seen as acceptable subjects by both filmmakers and the co-driven studios. These Mad Scientist characters in films included Frankenstein and all of its spin-offs, The Ape Man, Dr. Cyclops, and many more. These films were popular along with the introduction of the werewolf character. The werewolves of the 40s reflected the feral, rip-each-other-to-shreds mood at the time. The first of these major Hollywood werewolf movies was Werewolf of London, which presented the classic Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde story, but this time as a man who turns into a feral beast. Before Universal's 1941 smash hit The Wolfman, there wasn't a set canon for the iconic werewolves that we know today. Kurt Sidomak, a refugee from Nazi Germany, is the one responsible for the tropes of silver bullets, full moons, and many others. This movie was such a big hit that Universal spun off three other films with The Wolfman in them, cementing him as one of their iconic Universal monsters. Post-war horror in the 1950s saw the decline of many monster movies, as most people weren't amused by the fictitious monsters after just seeing millions of people die in the real-life horror that was World War II. Though the 50s still brought us creature features such as Creature from the Black Lagoon and also introduced us to teen horror. The popularity of the drive in saw filmmakers take the ideas of the old monster movies and remake them with more teen appeal. The Wolfman turned into I Was a Teenage Werewolf, and original movies included The Ghost in the Invisible Bikini. Uh, the 50s saw the rise of the alien horror movie with the smash hit that was Invasion of the Body Snatchers. The 60s is known as some of the birth of the modern thriller. During this time, Alfred Hitchcock created two movies, Psycho and The Birds, which still have a lasting effect on horror today. I mean, honestly, you cannot go, you cannot. You can't watch anything without a reference to Psycho. Like, you watch that episode of The Golden Girls where, you know, they all watch Psycho and then they're too scared to, like, they're all staying up and were too scared of, of everything. Uh, they couldn't sleep because they thought that they heard creaking on the stairs, even though they don't have stairs. And then, like, oh, in um, Scream Queens, Jamie Lee Curtis, she paid homage to her mother who was in Psycho. um by recreating that scene but obviously with a different ending <laughs> um so it's really interesting to see like how Norman Bates has truly transcended like anything we could have I don't think Hitchcock could have ever imagined um and really like cemented himself in like the zeitgeist of of our pop culture not outside of horror like it has fully transcended the genre uh, because I mean, you'd even had that show Bates Motel like on USA. What was that? It was I think it was on USA, Um, you know, and stuff like that. So I think, honestly, Psycho has truly like broken through the quote unquote horror genre and into our mainstream, like like main cultural zeitgeist which is really cool to see films horror films and genre films do that because you know obviously not everybody is going to go see everything but when a film can do that it is really cool i'll talk about jordan peele a bit later and he for sure does all of that he has transcended the horror genre even though he has very clearly changed it and influenced it and and done amazing things for it he's also transcended it which is really cool um But anyway, so the horror of the 60s was all about the horrors of humanity. No longer was it horrific to see a vampire on screen, the real terror was to see characters so seemingly normal do the most horrific things known to man. The way Norman Bates seemed so much like your neighbor or your friend until the end of of the movie was the true appeal, the true horror. As with every decade, there's never just one kind of popular type of movie, and horror is no different. While Hitchcock was holding a mirror up to society and saying, look, others were doing the same, but with zombie movies. Night of the Living Dead, while not only being extremely influential in horror, even to this day, is a commentary on American society while still being a shock horror event. Rosemary's Baby also came out in the 60s, another film that examines the the dynamics of American culture, but takes a look at whether or not the people around you should be trusted the 70s were the epitome of saying, when society gets bad, horror gets good. A lot of these films were about the monsters within one's own family, following the themes set out by Rosemary's Baby, uh, children are scary. <laughs> many of these in- many of these internal familial horrors include The Exorcist, Carrie, The Step for Wives, and The Omen. The Exorcist, a movie that gives me the heebie-jeebies just at the mention of its name was voted the scariest movie of all time by Total Film Magazine in October 1999 and is easily one of the most influential movies in horror today. It brought prestige and intrigue and shock and horror back into the genre, seen as a very grown-up horror, um, as opposed to the teen horror of the past few decades. And I even remember, like I said, I feel like The Exorcist is another movie where you, like, have fully transcended the genre where... Nicki Minaj performed at the Grammys and had a full like, for I think it was for Roman Holiday. She performed Roman Holiday and was like, it was a full like exorcist scene. Like it was, it was horrifying for me when I was younger. Um, but again, that's another example where it's like this movie has fully transcended the genre. Also, <laughs> there was always this house in my neighborhood when I would go trick or treating. And uh, that would have the girl from The Exorcist, like, the uh, this big doll of her. And she, like, if you, you know, she was, like, motion activated. So if you walked by, she would, like, scream and say stuff and do stuff. It was, oh, uh, it was the worst. Her head would spin around. Ugh, I hated it. Oh, it was awful. I hate that movie. And I've never even seen it. I'm never, ever going to see it. It's, ugh, nope. Nope. <laughs> but apparently it's very good. So good, you know, good for them. But, oh, uh, no. The familial relationship wasn't the only genre of horror of the 70s. The slasher flick also saw its rise during this time. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, and many more were extremely popular and are seen as the main influences on the modern slasher film. The 80s saw the birth of many icons of horror, which are still seen in Halloween stores to this day. Nightmare on Elm Street, The Shining, The Thing, The Evil Dead, and Child's Play being the movies that have outlasted the test of time. The 90s saw the rise of the serial killer movie, creating classics like Silence of the Lambs, Scream, and Seven. In the 2000s, horror shifted back to the everyday person and the mundane being turned into terrors. The perfect example of this is the Final Destination series, showing people being killed in everyday occasions. The 2000s also saw the rise and fall of, quote, torture porn, seeing the success of franchises like Saw and Final Destination, which also kind of counts as torture porn. There was also a huge influence of Asian horror in the 2000s, with the remake of The Ring having huge success in the States. Modern horror has many faces, cycling from originals by Jordan Peele being commentaries on society to sequels and remakes of classics like Child's Play and Halloween. For me, the most interesting aspects of horror are one, the various subgenres and the fact that people create little mini cults in their already cult following of the genre. And two, the fact that they always make money. Always. Horror movies seem to be the one genre where no matter the budget, you'll always at least make your money back. No matter the Rotten Tomato score, the word of mouth, whatever the variable, they will always turn a buck. It it all has to do with the cult following of the genre. More than any other genre, fans feel the need to see every single horror movie, seeing it as a badge of honor to always see the new one in theaters. It's similar to how Marvel fans feel about Marvel movies, except no matter who makes it, these horror fans will go see it. There are so many sub-genres to look at, but I'll name a few box office stats of some horror movies just to demonstrate how lucrative this genre is. For a great example of a bad movie that still perpa- surpassed its budget and became a, m- a minor box office success, let's look at Blumhouse's 2017 Lucy Hale movie, Truth or Dare. Blumhouse, for me, is the leading studio when it comes to horror. They're responsible for Get Out, Us, Happy Death Day, and many, many more. Most of their films have gone on to be huge hits, marking major successes for the studio, but even when they have, quote, flops, they're still killing it. Truth or Dare had a budget of $3.5 million, which may sound like a lot, but is literally nothing in terms of normal film budgets. Justice League had a budget of over $300 million. Yikes. Yikes. Truth or Dare's modest budget saved it from being a total flop, though. With a domestic total of about $41 million and a foreign total of 53 Truth or Dare ended up making about 30 times its budget in its total worldwide run. Making $95 million when you only spent $3 does not sound like a bad flop at all. And that's just on a bad movie. Truth or Dare had a Rotten Tomatoes score of 15% and an audience score of 22% on Rotten Tomatoes. People didn't like this movie, but they still went out in hordes and saw it. In terms of good movies, let's look at Jordan Peele's smash hit Get Out. The film had a budget of $4.5 million, and in its total domestic run brought back $176 million. Holy shit. And that's just domestic! Add that to the $79 million it made internationally, and Get Out made a total of $255 million. That's almost 57 times its budget. Get Out has a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes and an audience score of 86, so it was obviously way more well-received than Truth or Dare, making it even more of a runaway success. I just find it so interesting that truly, horror is the only genre where a film can get less than 20% on Rotten Tomatoes and still turn a decent profit. With any other genre, the movies sink rather than float. Recently, a movie came out called The Kitchen, starring Melissa McCarthy, Tiffany Haddish, and Elizabeth Moss, as three crime boss women in Hell's Kitchen in New York. This movie has a 21% on Rotten Tomatoes, and the reviews truly kept people away. A movie with a $38 million budget and three huge stars on the posters only made $5 million its opening weekend, and has only made roughly like $14 million in total worldwide since. If that movie had been in the horror genre, it surely wouldn't have been such a flop. The cult following of horror is what allows it to continue to bubble under the surface of popular culture, as it has been since the 20s. It propelled it into multi-million dollar franchises and into the prestige of the Oscars. In terms of the mini-cults inside the already cult following of horror, I love to watch these videos made by the YouTuber Sarah Hawkinson, who runs her own personal YouTube channel, as well as the channel Possessed by Horror. On her horror channel, she reviews horror movies and just talks all things horror, and it's so intriguing to hear as someone who just doesn't like the genre. My favorite thing, though, is when she talks about her favorite subgenres of horror and the genres that actually scare her. She speaks fondly of teen horror, specifically camping teen horror, movies like Friday the 13th, Cabin in the Woods, Uh, but she says that the genre that really scares her are scary supernatural girls. Think the girl from The Ring. I just find this so interesting that people carve out their own little areas of the genre and can break down their favorite horror movies by the most specific things and categorize them into that. She knows, by default, that a movie with a scary supernatural girl in it comes out, she's going to run to go see it because that's her favorite. I just can't think of another genre that is so specific like that, especially in such a wide scale because obviously, Sarah isn't the only one who has carved out her own little cubbyhole into the horror genre. It's done by so many horror enthusiasts all over the world. For me personally, like I said earlier, I'm never going to watch a true horror movie in my whole life. But I do enjoy some kid-themed horror every once in a while. I'm an absolute Scooby-Doo enthusiast and have seen nearly every straight-to-DVD animated film there is. I'm also a huge fan of the Disney Channel Halloween movies like Halloween Town, Twitches, and my Babysitter's Sitters a vampire. I love that they have intro kitty horror because it really is my window into the genre without losing literal sleep. I think that's another interesting point too. Kids horror. The fact that we start kids on horror so young is wild to me, but really cool. It's a great gateway into a genre that can be such a community for people and I find that really awesome. Although as a kid I didn't appreciate it as much because having to watch goosebumps movies in middle school meant that I couldn't sleep for a week. I just genuinely love horror aimed at children because a lot of the time it holds the same symbolic themes as the movies aimed at adults, just without the trauma. <laughs> I guess if I had to carve out a subgenre cubbyhole for me in the horror genre, it would be witches in kids' movies, since those always seem to be my favorite. Halloween Town, Twitches, Hocus Pocus, uh, Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost, and even Um House with the Clock in Its Walls all get gold stars from me. And personally, I don't know, I like the fact that, I don't know, I just love that I could find, like, horror movies for me without having to, like, scare myself to death, because I know that they're not, like, actual horror movies, like, I mean, House of the Clock in His Walls kind of is, like, I mean, it's, like, kiddie horror for sure, but, like, you know, Halloween Town is not a horror movie, it's just a Halloween movie, but I still adore it. I love it so much. But actually, Twitches scared, also scared the bejesus out of me when I was a kid. Like the, when he, when the, I don't remember what the guy's name was, but like the main guy, the like scary guy, when he would like turn into a fog and the hands would reach in the fog. I would be so scared when I would go outside and it would be like a cloudy day. I'm like, he's going to get me. Oh my God, he's going to get me. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I love like spooky stuff like, I don't know. I also love vampires. So, like, one of my all-time favorite movies is Vampire Academy. It is an- it is a god-awful movie. Like, it is truly atrocious. It is awful. But I love it so much. I adore that movie so much. And I also just love, like, the Hex Girls. And I love- like, I said, I love my baby service vampire. Like, Vanessa Morgan in that show, in the movie, was amazing. Um, so yeah, all in all, I think horror is such an interesting genre, and I hope that you enjoyed learning a little bit of the history and crunching some numbers with me. I know that for horror aficionados, this will truly be the most base level look at horror ever, but I hope that you enjoyed the perspective of someone who's not a part of the cult. So yeah, I think that that's all for me. That that does it. Um <laughs> I just I yeah, I truly hope that you enjoyed this. I just wanted to put together kind of like a little history of horror to educate myself and as well as maybe some of you if you're not super super into the genre or don't know a whole lot about it, um I really just wanted to take a look at maybe why like cuz I'm always curious like why is horror so so successful? And I guess for me, the answer is that it's such a community and and people get so passionate about these movies. And like I compared it to Marvel, I mean, kind of, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, people like just are so passionate about horror and they're so passionate about the stories that people are telling because you can tell such complex, crazy original stories, you know, like, you know, like I mentioned earlier, hereditary, get out, Us. Um, All of those movies, like Mother even, like that one was really controversial, but, you know, it it was an original story that was kind of crazy and it took you all over the place. And, you know, those movies, I feel like they just resonate so well with people that the genre has managed to carry on, even though it's, it's kind of like what has been popular has switched so much. Like right now, we're in the era of remakes uh, remakes sequels all of that um so that's kind of what's popular now uh like it has been wildly successful um Halloween was amazing or I heard it was kind of good my mom liked it uh <laughs> i mean and that was a huge landmark for Jamie Lee Curtis first woman over 50 to be the star of her own movie um, like, it's just really cool, like, especially because, like I just said, I feel like horror also opens so many doors and, and so many windows for people to kind of, for actors to kind of show their, their range and, and really make a splash without being huge names. Because a lot of the time, I feel like people are made from these horror movies, you know, like... um I'm trying to think of of people who have really, like, taken off after their horror movies. Um, uh, Well, Florence Pugh kind of, that was Midsummer, was kind of, like, her huge hit. Um, Alex Wolfe in Hereditary, even though he was kind of, you know, he was a star already, but people were like, holy shit, this guy can act. Um, You know, I feel like it's, because... horror, like I said, these movies are very low risk, like, when it comes to making them, because it's so cheap to make these horror movies. No matter what you do, it is so cheap to make them, and they're so effective that I feel like since they're so low risk, because you're not spending all that much money on them, you can take all kinds of risks in the storytelling, in the casting, in all of that, like, you know, like I just said, I mean, Ari Aster with Midsommar and Hereditary, I know we keep bringing him up, but he really has taken incredible, incredible risks with not a whole lot of, I mean, with a whole lot of payoff and not with a whole lot of like fear attached to them because you're not spending $300 million on this movie. You're spending $3 million on this movie and you're not going to bankrupt your studio on $3 million. And you know that it's not going to be it's not going to flop because it's a horror movie and people are going to go see it anyway. Like, it's crazy. It is insane. And I love it. I I don't know. I love it. I wish that I could be into horror movies. Like, my sister's into horror movies. She loves body horror. Um, she really liked that Cloverfield movie that went on Netflix. Uh, she said she really liked Zombieland. She's going to go see the new one that's coming out soon. I just, I wish that I could get into it, but I I just can't. I can't. I'm too scared. I'm too scared because literally, even if I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to be brave and watch this horror movie or watch something scary. But then at night, I regret it because I can't sleep and I got to keep the lights on. So I'm just a big baby when it comes to that. But I really, really do admire this genre. I think it's so cool. I think everybody who's a part of it, you know, I think that's awesome. I think, I don't know, I just love the cult aspect of it. And, again, as much as I don't understand, I do. (laughs) So, you've made a believer out of me, and that's, I guess, all that matters. So, thank you guys so, so much for listening. I normally, this is not what I normally do, I normally review slash recap Supergirl every Wednesday, uh, after the episode airs on Sunday, um, so you can like, subscribe, all that stuff, Fo- uh, you know, follow on Spotify, re- rate on iTunes, whatever you do, you can do all of that for this, and I hope you guys enjoyed, and I will see you next time. Bye!